0: Together, we're having candid conversations that help you understand the challenges that a product manager faces, how they overcome them, and the tools and frameworks that will help you thrive in the role. So let's start the show. Uh, this is Jeff Schulman speaking. Uh, welcome, everybody. I'm a professor at the University of Washington's Foster School of Business, where I teach product management, and I launched the Product Management Center, which is a global hub for knowledge, community, and impact. And every week, Tuesdays at 4 p.m. Pacific time, uh, we try to have an impact here with all of you uh, sharing how to succeed in product management. And each week, we take a different topic within how to succeed in product management. And I am grateful uh, that Divya, our guest, uh, the first guest that we lined up for today, said she wanted to talk pricing. Uh, because pricing is what I used to teach at the Foster School of Business here at the University of Washington. And so this is going to be a rare time where I might not just ask questions, but but chime in. Um, Although I am in Indiana for the first time, so uh, I I have to multitask a little bit more than I've ever had to do before. So bear with me. Uh, But I want to turn it over to our resident product expert, Sumeya. Tell us a little bit about yourself in case this is somebody's first time joining us. And tell us why pricing is important conversation for product managers to learn about.
1: Absolutely. Thank you, Jeff uh, and Brad uh, for always being uh, here and uh, for putting this together. And thank you, everyone, for joining us. I'm Sumeya Bingan. I'm, I'm a products management leader. Currently, I'm at VMware. Uh, I've been uh, building products for almost 20 years. So always excited to learn from you all and have these conversations. When it comes to to so pricing, um, and when we talk about pricing, I always talk about business model uh, at the same time. It's hard to decouple the two, at least in my world. Uh, I consider that to be a fourth of what we think about as product managers. Uh, there is this mental model I work with usually uh, around what are the things that matter from a product perspective? How do you get to product market fit and how do you scale up? And those four elements are product market or customer channels, and the fourth one is business model, and within it is pricing. And all these different elements work together in this dance. It's not sequential. It's a dance where one uh, part moves and then the other part moves, and you need to keep an eye on it, and you need to really figure out that tension well. Uh, And so great product managers pay attention to that. And even if they have someone in their company who pays attention or works on pricing strategy, they still need to ask the questions. They're the ones who are talking to the customers and the ones who are focused on delivering value. So at the end of the day, the pricing and value question work together hand in hand. And because of that... You as a PM or me as a PM cannot ignore pricing.
0: All right. That is Sumeya's superpower. And she always rolls deep with frameworks and me- good metaphors. Uh, yes, pricing is a dance uh, when it comes. Pricing and product are like peanut butter and jelly, uh, to throw in my own metaphor. Um, and now I want to hear from Divya, who uh, inspired today's topic. Can you tell us about your journey as a product leader and um, How many times you've been involved in kind of... How often does price come up in your world?
2: Um, Yeah, uh, sure. Um, So, hi, everyone. My name is Divya. In terms of my product management journey, um, I started my career as an engineer, actually, um, in the field of Internet of Things, or IoT. Um, I worked in India for a while uh, for a company called Larsen & Toubro. And this was back um, at a time when IoT was still uh, a pretty nascent technology Um, And over there, I was, you know, working on how to activate devices in your home um, or in a commercial building, just using your voice. Um, So voice-powered connected systems is what I started working on, Um, learned a lot. And from there, moved to Dubai. I worked um, in a couple of startups over there, again, in the field of IoT and connected devices. But since it was a startup, uh, I got to wear multiple hats. um, And that was my first foray into product management. Um, And since then, I worked at Adobe, and currently, I'm um, leading product management for a suite of uh, recovery-oriented products at AWS, uh, which is a cloud computing arm of Amazon. Um, And in in my time here, I've had the opportunity to launch um, uh, multiple new products uh, right from conceptualization. I've worked on a couple of iterative features for these products um so i've i've dealt with uh, product pricing strategies um right from how do you price a product a, a new product to um how do you, how do you keep uh, modifying existing pricing um to really serve the needs of your customers so uh, yeah i've done a bunch of pri- pricing exercises uh, for me personally as a product manager i found that uh, pricing has been one of the most fulfilling and rewarding aspects uh, of my work uh, as a product manager because i really feel like it requires the best of your reasoning skills uh, high judgment uh, working backwards from what really your customers value um, and also you need to use all your analytics and uh, mm-hmm. mathematical skills as well to do a lot of analysis uh, to come to the right price so i it's something that i personally enjoy a lot um, and something that um, you know i've got the opportunity to do um, in my time as a product manager.
0: All right. Thank you, Divya. Wonderful to have you here. And then uh, we have Harish from Facebook. And he actually came on stage. I can't remember what week because life is a blur. But he came on stage, uh, offered some great insights and a great question. And um, then I've invited him here. And it turns out he has some pricing experience. So Harish, can you tell us a little bit about your, your journey as a product leader and talk a little bit about pricing on, uh, from your end? Hey Jeff, uh, thanks for having me.
3: Yeah, so first of all, um, hey Sumaya and Devya, great to kind of share the stage with you. Uh, right now, um, I am a product manager at Facebook, so pricing is not something that I have to deal with. Thankfully, not anymore, at least. So that's that's a stress that I don't have to worry about. Maybe you know, as Sumeya said, pricing is everything is a dance, and this is a move that I cannot. I don't have to perform right now. At least leave some stress out of my job, maybe. But in general, I uh, I agree with that pricing is something that's extremely important as we move uh, ahead in products. And previously, in my previous roles as a PM, and even before that, I was as I was doing startups. Right, pricing is something that I often never originally paid attention to, and you know, in the very beginning we were starting to shoot from the hip, and it was not something until like very later that. It's it's hard because once you say a pricing out loud or once you kind of set something up, it's hard. You can ship product updates pretty frequently, but pricing is pretty hard to kind of maneuver around or change because your customer perception changes. Maybe some of your customers get one price and some a few others get a different price. Then that generally it, it's something that very significantly affects the customer and business relationship, and it's pretty important even to bring it up or drive it further. So strategizing around pricing is something that is very, very exciting, but also very, very delicate. And I've done it a bunch of times, but it always is a, a very fine line. And, you know, you just have to kind of craft it. And as Divya was calling out, right, it, it's about iterating and figuring out, like how does the product fit in into the overall market? What are the market conditions? What are the economic conditions? Uh, what is the value that is the product is providing? And out of all that, what is the goal of the company and what is the mission that we're trying to achieve? And does this help us get there? So this is an interesting panel. And I'm, yeah, I'm psyched to talk a little bit more about this.
0: All right, well, welcome here. It's great to have you. And uh, yes, this is Jeff speaking again. And really why I see pricing is critical and going uh, putting a, a finer point on Sumeya's, uh, what she was saying about this dance here, is you know, as product managers, it, your job is to deliver value to the customers Uh, and navigate delivering value to your customers, but also value to your business. And we've talked a lot about objectives and key results, but ultimately uh, you're setting goals and and what do you want to achieve for the business? And so as you're deciding what to, to offer, you want to be thinking about, you know, what value could that add to the business? How could we make money from this? Or how could we meet our business objectives? Uh, And so not all business objectives are surrounded, are are built around revenue or profit or margin or um, customer lifetime value. Uh, But often cases they are. And when they are, that's going to be quite dependent on the value you give to your customers and the value that you capture for your company in the form of your price. Uh, So, we're going to get to back to, some, oh, Sumea, did you come off mute?
1: Yes, I do have a question for you. So Jeff, one of the things that, uh, or an opinion I hold, is that in a lot of organizations, uh, defining customer value a lot of times sits within product management, which is awesome. But then defining pricing sits within strategy or within corporate Uh, And to me, that's an anti-pattern because it decouples the conversation. Uh, I'm curious about your opinion about that.
0: Yeah, spot on. Like, I just don't see how we could decouple those questions because uh, what we price, you know, can actually create value to the, how we price could create value to customers sometimes. So uh, it gives a perception of quality. So if you give away something for free, uh, people don't value it as much um, and they might actually not even use it uh, where they would use it if they paid for it and there's, uh, and they're driven to, to get the value that they they've paid for um, and so you just see time and time again that what we create and what we price are are incredibly interlinked, and it doesn't make sense to build something and then pass it off to somebody else to let them decide the price when you should be building something with kind of a, a price in mind and, and I'm one hundred percent with you that the two go go hand in hand. Uh, I'm curious now for uh, Divya, or actually let me go to Harish, who said that they're they're not. Um, Tell me a little bit about how pricing, um, like when and if and when do you think about pricing as a product manager? You may not be in charge of setting it, but how, if and when are you thinking about what the price might be as you're deciding uh, your roadmap? That's
3: a fair point, right? Um, I think this is generally uh, building products that directly are paid for by consumers or businesses in general. Uh, Pricing should be, uh, unfortunately, I I would guess that it is not right now, but it should be apart from the very beginning because the the effort and the value that the product is delivering and the effort that you put into it and the product itself should directly reflect on the pricing. So you need to understand, like, if we're trying to envision an MVP for uh, a B2B SaaS product, for example, uh, I would say that, what is the what is the problem the SaaS model is solving and what, pro, what value of the problem solved will the customer get? I think that's a very important factor to understand and not to jump into the solution space too much, but even within the problem, understanding the problem and what it means to the customer and figuring out the effort that is required to build that minimum viable product and if that needs to be shipped or if that needs to be priced even like what would that be it doesn't really have to be something that goes externally out of the company because it's an mvp but thinking in those lines and aligning everybody today product managers think about effort and impact and uh how these prioritization factors come into play but pricing is almost at the far end pricing is something that product managers don't actively do their product marketing comes in uh, sales comes in there's a bunch of business that's involved but i truly believe that This should also be a driving factor in figuring out the actual effort that needs to go into the product because most often than not, there are efforts that are spent only to realize that in a year or maybe in six months, that feature was not really wanted for, or what was not something that actually delivered value, or what was something that is just a waste of effort and ended up setting up, setting back the product, and instead of something that actually could have delivered some value, which added to what the customer was perceiving through his optics of price. So TLDR, I think somebody is, if somebody's trying to buy any product, be it a software product or a SaaS product, price is a factor to the customer himself as much as the value that the product is delivering. So nobody, I, I think both are, both are in the same equation. And if that is the case of the consumer and that is the part of the solution that he's looking for, then a product manager should also be thinking of the same.
0: We'll put. Uh, this is Jeff speaking, kicking the, the ball over to Divya. Do you have anything to add to that uh, about where pricing comes in and where it should come in? Uh,
2: no, I, I totally agree with um, Harish and Sumeya, right? Like, um, I'd say um, at least the companies that I have worked for, uh, PMs or product managers have been pretty involved with pricing. Uh I, I have heard a couple of folks um, who I've interviewed for PM roles say that, you know, their companies, um, this whole pricing function is kind of decoupled from uh, product management itself. Uh, typically, I've noticed this pattern for, um, you know, retail companies like um, you uh, work with Unilever, P&G and all of that, because the way they do pricing is quite different from how you would do it for a tech company of resas. Um, company, um, it's very. It, there are a lot of other frameworks you look, you consider for such companies. Like they include even game theory and things like that. But typically for a SaaS based company, I think two things that as a product manager you have a good hold on is one is the value of the product, um, and second is where you're going as a business as well. There are a lot of like pricing strategies you would think of where, despite the value provided by the product, you might consider pricing for. Um, you know, more adoption or you might prize a product as a loss leader, for example, because as a business, you want to make sure that you you capture enough indirect revenue and things like that. So I think both of these things come into play, the value of the product itself and where uh, you are going as a business. And product manager would be the the one role that would have a handle on both. So, um, you know, even if there are companies where you have uh, maybe a team of economists or uh, a different team handling pricing, I would assume that They are closely, um, uh, they they are kind of working in tandem with uh, product managers itself, if not uh, for product managers themselves, uh, driving the pricing strategy.
0: Yeah. And just to chime in too, so I think it will help now to frame kind of the, what kind of pricing decisions are we talking about? Uh, Because... I know a lot of people when they think pricing, they think, "Are you choosing 9.99 or 10.99 or 10.98?" You know, so you're you're just picking a number. Uh, but pricing is so much more than just picking a number, and that is why it's important to start coupling kind of what we prioritize in terms of building products uh, along with what our pricing is going to be. So, uh, Harish or Divya, do you have uh, any? kind of examples of, kind of what other decisions are made when it comes to pricing, that it's more than just picking the number? Um,
3: yeah, Jeff, you bring an interesting point. Like uh, Even before pricing, right, let's say that the product doesn't exist. There's a problem that as a company or as a founder you try to identify and you plan to solve it. I think it's about thinking, are you building a product for a thousand people or are you building a product for like a million people? a billion people obviously the TAM is varied and you can change that perception over time but a company would a profitable company or a billion dollar company would still have the same impact if for for building a $1000 product for uh 10,000 people or a, a, dollar, a $1 product for a million people or 10 million people so it is about figuring out the direction of the company and figuring out like the 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 target audience that your company or the problem that you want to solve and who is it for. Um, It's just as an example, maybe we can do a comparison between understanding uh, superhuman and say outlook. So it's it's about first figuring out, my market is very specific to the people who want a premium experience or whatsoever. And I think after you figure out the market itself or after you figure out who are you going after, that's when everything just Becomes simple, and as you move forward and as you build the product, everything else falls in line. There's the other part of it, and this is just starting from a problem exploration perspective. And on the flip side, there, there's you build a product, you figure out that there's already a market, or maybe there's a competitor, or maybe you want to compete against somebody, or maybe there's you know you you see that there's traction, and you just want to build an alternative solution. For all of these cases, there are different pricing strategies like competitive pricing. Uh, value-based pricing, pricing—you know, they're skimming a bunch of ways, a bunch of pricing strategies that already exist on the internet that everybody uses on a daily basis. So I think these are like, this is a double-edged sword, honestly, and figuring out like where, where does the problem that you're trying to solve stand and how does solving that impact you as a business and the consumer? Um,
0: ultimately, I think that's what it boils down to. Yeah, excellent point. Uh, and Divya, you had something to say.
2: Just to add on to what uh, Harish said, you know, one main thing is figuring out where you're go, like what your strategy is, or where you're going uh, from a business perspective. Um, and it ultimately, like one of the big decisions uh, you tend to make for pricing early on is, uh, do you want to be a, a revenue generator versus a revenue enabler. So revenue generator would be, you know, you have some differentiated value um, that you're offering to customers and there is uh, a willingness to pay for your product and you want to capture that value Um, and versus being a revenue enabler is that, you know, um, despite the fact that you're incurring costs for your product, just your product basically acts as a way to get indirect adoption uh, for other services in your company. Um, And you might might be okay uh, pricing that product um, pretty much at the same level as your cost or uh, even lower than that. But the idea is the, the product is marketed as a revenue enabler. So that's one of the big decisions I feel you have to make early on. And that really det- dictates the rest of your pricing strategy.
0: Yeah, that's a great point. And then uh, to add to both of those uh, wonderful points, I, I think it's also important to realize, you know, a big pricing strategy decision is what you charge for. Uh, so, for instance, like Netflix, uh, Blockbuster charged for uh, per day per DVD with late fees, and Netflix charged per month that you have access to to watch movies. And so, when you see these two different pricing strategies, how you build the product uh, and what you offer would be different. Uh, based off of those. So we, as in pricing, we have uh, not just the price, uh, we have uh, also not just the number, we have uh, are we going for a big market or are we trying to skim the market? We have uh, what are we going to be pricing over time? How is it going to change over time? How is it going to change by customer? Uh, and we also have um, price offer configuration. So uh, do we want to make a low option and a high option? And so there's just so many decisions that come with price and, and each one of those kind of shapes Uh, what you would build, how you would build it, and and how you would prioritize. Now I'm going to turn it over to my co-host, Red. I can't believe I made it 25 minutes into this show without introducing the man who made this show possible, who created this show. So Red, do you mind introducing yourself, telling what that red circle is, and uh, telling people how they can get involved today?
4: Absolutely. Thank you, Jeff. Uh, So, as Jeff pointed out, I'm one of the advisors on the Product Management Center for University of Washington. This show is recorded because not everyone can make it every Tuesday, and we want to make this available for you. So, if you go search how to succeed in product management podcast, you will find today's show and you'll be able to listen to the recording. So, if you're someone who wants to come up on stage and be famous for a minute, this is a free opportunity. That's right, priceless. Uh, As far as getting involved in the community, we have a Slack channel as well. And if you're interested in getting involved, just DM me, find me on Twitter, on LinkedIn, and just be like, yo, Red, I want to get on the Slack channel. Uh, Because I I can't give you like a a link in this clubhouse format, unfortunately. But here's the most important reason why we have this show. Because we want to give people a chance in the product management world to get on stage and ask questions that matter. So we have Nathan. Sophie just jumped on stage. Mm -hmm. These are people that are coming up because they want to interact with the, the experts. Divya and Harish, you represent two very different sides of the pricing realm and your experience has covered the gambit. So I think it would be appropriate to maybe open up for some q and A. I I know Nathan's been waiting a while. Uh, so with that in mind, we're gonna open up, if you're someone who has a question and wants to jump up on stage, in Clubhouse, there's this little button. It's like a little high five at the bottom of your screen over a little notebook. You click on that, you come on stage, but there's only two requirements. One, you have to have a profile photo. And two, most importantly, You have to be someone who's in business or in product. You know, health coaches, life coaches, dentists, doctors, we love you, but we're not here to talk about unscalable pricing unless you're building the next platform for virtual dental assistance. Jeff, I made the stretch this time. That was
0: good. I like it. I like it.
4: (laughs) I made the stretch. So if you're you're not in that category, thanks for showing up. But for everyone who is, I'm going to open up the floor to the best dressed profile. Oh, you changed your profile pic on me. But for someone who's been in the tech space for a while, I'd love to get your perspective. What's your question, Nathan, or what do you want to add?
5: Well, thank you, uh, Red. Um, My name is Nathan, and I actually joined today because I I had it in my calendar, and Sumeya had, I wanted to ask her a question, but she's gone, but that's fine. My question is really, um, I do have a big day coming up Thursday, finally doing my final loop interview with Amazon. And um, have a little bit of the jitters. I don't know if this is off topic, but I want to get some pointers and send me some
4: positive vibes for this Thursday. So positive, positive vibes from someone who's probably, uh, in a way, trying to work the room, Nathan, not a bad thing. But let's try yep. to tie this back to pricing a little bit. Being a okay. product manager, there is a price that's associated with, uh, you know, the offer and, and getting in front of that, if is that a part of the conversation or are you just looking for some karma love?
0: Are you trying to get him what? to pay somebody on the
4: stage to give him good karma? <laughs> no. <laughs> What's it I'm, worth? What's yeah. it worth, Nathan? <laughs> and Divya being, I believe, someone who might know someone in the space at Amazon, maybe you can DM and connect. But uh, this does pose the question, though. Uh, with Sumea being back, you can back channel and reach out there. Welcome back, Sumea. We're going to move Sumaya. on to the next question. Thank for you. Sophie. Well, of course. So, Sophie, uh, do you have a question or something you'd like to contribute that is along the lines of pricing? And Nathan, stay on the stage, though, because I think we can spin this one back around in case you have a pricing-specific question. But Sophie, uh, you know, is hanging out on the boat in what looks like a great northwest town? Uh, maybe not. I don't know. What's your, what's your question? Is this related to TripAdvisor or beyond?
5: Uh, this is just related in product, to product management in general, and so thank you so much for taking this question and hosting this every single week. I learned so much, and so my question is: as a product manager, we have so many responsibilities, and so honestly, I'm like pricing. Another, my first thought is another responsibility, and so my question um, to uh, the panelists here is: how, you know, if in a perfect world, you know, we talk about in the very beginning how perhaps. Product and pricing should sit closer together. Um, just hearing about how um, pricing a product should probably sit closer together. Um, I, I guess my, my question just goes to in a perfect world, what would that look like? Like, uh, you know, we talk about the types of like, what, what are we thinking when we're talking about pricing? Um, but as a product manager, like, what do you see that? Like, how would that impact, you know, your OKRs or just your day to day responsibility? Um, how does that impact? You work reaching out and like even just the scope of a product manager. Um, hopefully that made sense.
4: I think I'm just referring to Devia. We talked about OKRs last week, but do you have any clarifying questions to that question from Sophie, or do you mind just jumping right in?
2: Yeah. So if if I just wanted to reiterate the question, uh, just to make sure I understood Sophie correctly, but I think the question was, um, how does your pricing strategy affect your I don't know day to day business metrics or OKRs? Was that a right understanding? let let's.
5: let's that, that that's a direction we can take. I think that my my question was more about as a product manager, we have so many responsibilities to begin with, and so I see if pricing were to fall under our realm, and so I guess that, that that's right. What you're saying? Um, how would it perhaps change your day to day? Um, and I guess for me, it's also like, what would the perfect like relationship between the two look like?
2: Yeah. Um. So. <laughs> I feel like a lot of people, when they think about product management, they, you know, they think about like working with customers, understanding what you need to build uh, for your product. uh, How do you, you know, you know, set the roadmap and things like that. Um, uh, But, you know, one of the common pitfalls I've seen new product managers fall into is taking a very uh, overly narrow perspective on uh, growing your product. Like growth doesn't necessarily mean just adding new features, especially if it's a mature product where, um, you know, there is there's hardly anything new that you can differentiate um and there are a lot of players in the market uh, just by moving to innovative uh, pricing strategies like bundled pricing or tiered pricing you can actually uh, still um, make your product more accessible to new markets um, new market segments uh, new types of customers and things like that so as a product manager you you are the one who is uh, you know like the front door for your customers you you speak to customers every day. You hear about their pain points. You you um, uh, you know, one of the things you do is find new opportunities for growth. Um, and I feel like uh, setting the right pricing strategy can really help with that. Um, uh, you know, for example, if you have launched a product, and this ties kind of to what Harish was saying earlier, where, you know, first, uh, know where you're going as a business. Um, sometimes you might have a product that's, um, meant for a very niche set of customers uh, but over time when you speak to customers you realize that there's a lot of demand or a lot of interest for your product, and maybe pricing is the only thing that's um uh, that's inhibiting them from adopting your product so how can you create a low-cost version of your product or uh, just by being a little bit more creative with with your pricing strategy like you can offer a, a, a some sort of a freemium pricing strategy or um uh, you know, a different tier of pricing for that price sensitive market. So you can really um, change uh, the direction in which your your product grows and uh, unlock uh, the next billion for your product just by moving the pricing lever.
4: This is this is a really good answer, Divya, and it also mm-hmm. actually pushes in a different direction, which is like OKR is a framework, Sophie, and I think as far as like <laughs> not to get too inception here. But one of the ideas is uh, if you don't have a framework for pricing, maybe that's where you need your okay or start, is, is constructing or putting together some kind of model for how you're going to judge performance, test performance, and ultimately come to an idea of how you're going to work together with the other teams that set it. So I, I, I'm not an expert on this front, but I know Sumeya, before I jump into frameworks as a topic I know you love, I want to call out Sophie for everyone who's not aware She is absolutely a powerhouse behind this community and the success of this community. If you're in the clubhouse, you're seeing that Sophie is feverishly taking notes so that anyone who can't attend can read and understand and take part in this. And also knowing that you're juggling taking notes, Sophie, and being part of the community, please stay on stage. We're not going to send you down there. I want you to stay up here because this is a fantastic question and also a a near and dear topic close to Sumaya's heart which is frameworks on frameworks on frameworks. <laughs> yeah. Red, we got to give you some
0: love, man. You just bought, you just pulled out some fantastic product management frameworks and uh, you know, you're, you're speaking the language. Are you going to do a career change soon?
4: Uh, You know, people have said I would make a great product manager, but uh, you know what? I don't know what the qualifications are. We could do that in next month's topic. What is it, What does it take to join PM if you're not a PM? But Sumeya, Uh, I'd love to get your take, honestly, on if someone's trying to take on that challenge of setting an OKR, where do they even start? What framework could they look to for guidance?
1: Yeah, I, I wanna I wanna just uh, start by uh, sharing my perspective on on the fundamental question that Sophie started with, and then we can build on that for a second. Um, I totally agree that the product management role has so much to it. There is so much responsibility to it. Um, I think when you think uh, w- w- when you take into consideration, for example, uh, if you are starting with a startup from day one as the product manager, you have a lot to do. You're thinking about go to market, you're thinking about pricing, you're thinking about the strategy, you're thinking about marketing, you're thinking about your sales motion, you're thinking about Everything that in a, if you were in a more mature product or in a larger company, you'd have a whole team around you doing it. And so when we talk about product management as a role or being a product manager, I, I usually like to include the spectrum of all these responsibilities in it and even if you are going to have someone on your team who's going to go deep on on one area let's say the marketing area you still have to be aware of what's going on it's it, if you were to think about it like within a college context your major can be one thing but you still have to have all these minors and awareness of why uh, someone on your team has made uh, a decision around something, whether it's, you know, the technical decision of why they're building something the way they're building it, you know, the engineer is, or the pricing strategy uh, strategist is recommending that this is the, strat- uh, the 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 price we should go after. So uh, even though I, I, you know, say that pricing is an important responsibility for a product manager it, it doesn't mean th- that this is in absolute terms something that the product manager needs to sit down figure out and does analysis on on their own so just wanted to to uh, to uh, address that from a Framework standpoint, I think when thinking about pricing, I think about three things. I think about the needs of the customer, I think about the value, and then I think about the willingness to pay. And those three items together, if you are to tie them with your OKRs, with your company's goals You're going to be able to decide where you're going to spend more time on one versus the other. And and ideally, those three items that value the need of your customer and their willingness to pay should impact your OKRs. For example, I think one, one of the use cases that are really popular or uh, famous in the, in the pricing world, and sorry if you guys have talked about this already, but it's the Cayenne, the Porsche Cayenne uh, pricing story, where they didn't even have uh, a Porsche or an a SUV in the market, but they tested the pricing by going out in the market and saying, hey, we have uh, an SUV that we're going to sell and it's not going to be less than $75,000, what are the features you need? And that $75,000 pricing point that they came up with was based, let's say, on internal OKRs or revenue targets that they wanted to achieve and that were important within their brand. And so they worked backwards from the pricing point to determine who their customer is. This is just a a very specific use case because then there are other use cases where you work with the customer to determine what's the pricing point that they are comfortable with or their price sensitivity. At the end of the day, every, every product builder wants to have uh, autonomy over their pricing and they want to be in a in a position within the market where they're the ones deciding the price for the whole market. Uh, and they only can do that by determining or identifying areas of value that the customer identifies a high need for you know for them. So if you think about that Venn diagram, need versus value, uh, there is a, a sweet spot there where you can determine your pricing. So, um, I, I just shared a couple of frameworks I use, uh, but we can talk more about other, uh, areas that come up, you know, such as different types of pricing when we talk about consumption pricing versus subscription pricing versus others. Um, and also the human element of all of this, the psychology behind pricing, because, um, what works in one decade or one year does not necessarily translate to the next one. And there are constant shifts in the market that, uh, you know, if you want to stay competitive, you want to be ahead of rather than lagging
4: in. Very helpful, Sumeya. And and Sophie, thank you for bringing that to the stage as a conversation. Also, uh, Sumea, while you were out, Nathan jumped on stage. I I know the topic isn't relevant, so we're going to deviate. But you two should connect as he's looking for advice from you about getting in to uh, potentially AWS or at least preparatory questions. So I know it's uh, tertiary, but uh, hey, I just wanted to make the connection. So rock thank on, thank you. Thanks, Good man. luck. Now uh, I know there's other folks on stage. So with that, David, in the blazer, founder of CMG. Uh, hopefully, I'm saying this right. I I I think that sounds interesting. What? What I want to know is what's your question around pricing, or what do you have to add, especially from a CEO's perspective? Very helpful.
6: Sure, I appreciate that. Um, to you, um, what I, I was curious about is um, we're doing a bunch of work. I, I do a, a lot of medical product development with uh, my company, and we do a, a across the industry, across all the spectrum of healthcare, wellness, and also different types of products. One thing that that we've started to work in is that uh, we started to work in what the FDA is referring to as medical devices as a service. Or software as a medical device with digital medicine, and one of the challenges, though, and I was dealing with this in the past couple of weeks with a client, um, is that as you move from this model, you know, the cost of goods sold and production cost of many medical devices is very high. So sometimes you can have, you know, a product that uh, might go to market at fifteen or twenty thousand, but it will only have about a thirty percent margin. As you move into this software digital product version, the value proposition to the doctor or the patient, the end user, the customer may still be just as high as that other product however your cost of goods sold and production cost is much lower but i see stakeholders getting cold feet they're so used to dealing with a 30% to 50% product uh, profit margin range uh, operating range margin that they are very gun shy about keeping the price high where you can have a uh, you know a multiple of a profit margin you know per say 3 4 500% because you're in a digital health model And it's similar to going from server-based to cloud-based. So I was curious with AWS or other models around evolving to a SaaS model. How do you get the so not not so much the customers, but the stakeholders involved and the clients to get them to not get gun shy, move into digital health or digital uh, products where you know you're dealing with these software multiples as opposed to hardware multiples when you come to margin and pricing. I hope that's clear. Thanks. Yeah,
4: that's, that's a great question. Whether it be, uh, I don't know, Divya, if you have experience going from bare metal to cloud and what the marginal decisions were around pricing, or hirish uh, or Samaya, the open floor, first come first serve on this great topic question.
2: The question is that when customers move from uh, on-premise to the cloud, how do they reason about the costs and the price?
6: I guess more accurately, it would be when they move from hardware products to cloud or software product, mm-hmm. You shift from, um, you know, unit cost, purchase order pricing to uh, go into a subscription model, if you will, or some iteration of a subscription model. And yeah. because digital products are amortized out cheaper than hardware costs would be, um, you know, you're going from an average of 30 to 50% profit margin to four or five, whatever the hundred, you know, multiple product profit margin would be. And how do you basically, the, the key question, how do you get stakeholders and clients to... See the value to not get gun shy that they're pricing too high because the multiples too high, but really it's just because you drop your cost of goods sold by going to a digital product.
2: Um, I think the one the one thing is when you are uh, running your own hardware, there is a lot of upfront costs that you need to deal with. Um, you know, a lot of fixed costs which comes in terms of the hardware itself. Uh, the cost of operating and maintaining it and things like that, that probably would be more operational cost. But I think the fixed cost component is, you know, the hardware, the networking around it, all of those itself. Versus when you're moving to a multi-tenant environment like the cloud, that cost is kind of amortized or, you know, you're moving to a subscription model where you don't have that, you're not burnt by that high upfront cost. So that's one way we, we encourage customers to think about like, uh, you know, moving moving to the cloud. And the value that they derive out of that subscription is also different from, you know, a hardware perspective. You're getting, uh, uh, you know, unlimited upgrades. You're getting uh, real-time upgrades versus in the hardware. One time you, you get that hardware shipped and it's done and you can't um, update that. Uh, the cloud is also way more scalable. Um, so, you know, you don't have to think about, um keeping on adding capacity uh based on your real time needs um and I think another important thing is also uh, you know when you're when you're dealing with your own hardware um it's it's not very um easy to scale out your hardware across regions or across geographies like for example, you're starting a business in maybe the u s and then you realize that the, your demand for your business increases, and now you know your app or um whatever your, the product is is now. Um, super popular even in Europe or in Asia and you can't keep building data centers or um, adding hardware in these um, areas or you need a dedicated team to do that versus in the cloud, it's it's just um, super convenient because you can spin up capacity wherever uh, based on the needs of your business. So there are a lot of advantages that come with um, the cloud itself, which you otherwise might not have gotten um, by maintaining your own hardware. Just want to pause here and see if that answers your question.
6: Yes, it it did. And I guess one other aspect of that too is how much do you focus on building from your production costs, your COGS, cost of goods sold, versus using your pricing model from the value proposition that the end user or customer is going to derive from the product? How do you, that equation of, do you start with the cost and build from there, or do you start with the value proposition to the customer and then extrapolate a price from that. How do you approach Got it? it?
2: Uh, so I would say you need to look at both. So as a framework for uh, price, uh, Sumaya so, so mentioned that you know you you look at value, uh, willingness to pay, needs. Um, I would also add cost into it. That's a major thing that you would look for because uh, one thing is as a for your business to be sustainable, you want to make sure that you're following a cost based model, like um, not just from the pure. Uh, dollar value of the price perspective, but even from a pricing dimension perspective, like for example, if it's a SaaS based product, you're you might be incurring cost on a per um, I don't know per per gigabyte basis um, or a per hour basis, and you want to make sure that that dimension um, follows through even when you actually price your product. There's no like if you, if you are incurring cost on a per hour basis, but you're pricing your product on a per GB basis, it becomes difficult to correlate. You would be bleeding money, but you immediately won't be able to see it and things like that. Um, and also, if you want to make sure that your net margin positive, you want to make sure that you you are uh, charging above cost. So cost would be your ceiling, um, especially if you're going for a value-based pricing. And then you know your 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 topmost or uh, sorry, cost would be your floor, um, and your ceiling would be um, you know uh, willingness to pay or competitor pricing, however you arrive at it. Uh, and your price typically would be somewhere between that. Um, unless you're actually going for uh you know a loss leader kind of a pricing model where you would you would be okay charging below cost uh but typically uh for cloud um and and, and for any other product for that matter you would actually start uh, working in both directions you want to look at what your floor is which would which which would come from your cost um and what your ceiling is which would come from um you know customer willingness to pay
4: you know what? I'm taking away from here, David. Whatever you do, do not put pricing on your website That way there's no bias and you can make sure you qualify everything on every single phone call. so uh, or, or just give it away for free, David. Why not? I mean, God. <laughs> it was a joke. Thank <laughs> I,
1: I wanted, you. I wanted to just uh, add one quick thing about uh, the cost aspect. So when we're talking about pricing, I do not take. Uh, cost into consideration there. I take uh, cost into consideration in the business model thinking. So within business model, there are multiple components of which pricing is just one, uh, and so I don't I, I don't like to necessarily uh, include that uh, as part of that thinking. And the reason I say that is because one of the most some of the <laughs> the, the the most common mistakes in pricing are either you underprice. Because your uh, your cost, uh, you know, is factored too much into what your uh, what your pricing is, or the second one is you overprice for the size of the market you're going after, and so you know determining pricing without understanding your size of the market, without understanding who your customer is. And when we say who your customer is, we're not just talking about persona, we're talking about psychographics and, and, and you know, a rich in-depth understanding of what that market looks like and a segmentation that makes sense. Um, and other aspects, of course, of the business model. So I just, it might be semantics, but um, I like to decouple business model business model is a bigger concept than just pricing.
4: All right. What a powerful question. And coming from the healthcare sector, I think that's one of the first uh, in this show as far as representing that sector from a product management perspective. But keep me honest, guys. Keep me honest. I know we have other folks on stage and we're at the 10-minute mark. So with that, I'm going to try to do a little bit more of a speed round here. Uh, Darius with an H I see you've been waiting a while, another CEO uh, with a question, what is the question? What do you have to add? Hey red, hey Sammaya. good seeing you. It's been a while. so um, I am uh, wondering
7: if anybody in the on the stage uh, has experience in with enterprise pricing, any stories uh, specific information um, like you know if you've had I mean you don't have to include the name of the customer, but like any, any interesting stories as far as like how you went about pricing, uh, specifically especially a, a like a new product to sell to like enterprise customers. Love to hear any thoughts or stories on that.
4: It's a, it's a it's a good question, but a general one. Um, I know Divya, you've got a lot of stage time. I want to give room for Harish. I haven't heard from him in a while. He's still drinking that Coca Cola on the beach, and so uh, I, I would love to give you a chance to weigh in here.
3: Hey, <laughs> yep, uh, sunny day. What can I say? Uh, but hey, Darius, that's a pretty uh, interesting question. I just wanted to kind of double click on that a little more. When you say enterprise pricing, are you like specifically looking for, uh, you know, what kind of like have there? Is your question specific to have there been any new products that any of us built um, in the recent past uh, enterprise products, and how did we go about pricing them? Is is that what you're saying?
7: Yes, yes. So, what spe- like any specific stories, like we went through this, this is what we learned, and how we, you know, we were right or wrong when we dealt with like, our, our first enterprise customers, for example.
3: Got it, got it. Um, I, 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 may not, I, might have, I may not have the most recent information. I, uh, I used to work in this company a couple of years ago where we built out uh, a specific um, health tech product and um, this was uh, more aligned with supporting county hospitals and all of that. And the pricing around that at that point was poorly placed. Like that was a learning curve for me. But honestly, I, I, I'm going to like shoot from the hip and say that that pricing worked. And we went with like a bare bone strategy to figure out how to price an enterprise product for typically a healthcare enterprise product for hospitals. And we ended up, just doing a competition-based pricing or a competitive pricing. We just ended up researching the market, figuring out the value that our product provides versus the product that, you know, whatever the products, how are they even pricing it? How is this price justified? And we've spent a good, like, a couple of weeks on that. I mean, don't get me wrong. The competitive pricing is as simple as it sounds as we went through the process of actually leveraging that there was so much information that helped us, you know, really price the product in a way that we were confident. And around even before our product launch, we were confident that we were going to get like X percent, uh, you know, revenue by that fiscal year. And to my surprise, that really worked. However, uh, I'm just going to call out that that was my like the first time that I was working on a healthcare product specifically. And dealing with like county hospitals, which have a very specific uh, budget allegation structure, and also understanding the customer and how do they pay, these factored in a lot. I wouldn't kind of generalize my experience for all enterprise products because this is fairly different for each industry that you're dealing with. But generally speaking, when we are talking about enterprise software products, um, even today, I've seen competitive pricing as a general strategy everybody just follows, even from you know, AWS or Google Cloud or Snowflake, whatever that may be. Uh, I've seen this as a, as a very strong driver, but this kind of also creates a middle layer of the sales team that dynamically adjusts it based on the type of customer that you're dealing with. So there are a couple of factors here. I'm not sure if we have the time to dive deep into all of them, but that's my experience, and I'll probably pass it on to anybody else who wants to share theirs.
0: I want to add to this, if I may. Uh, so competitive pricing uh, is a great starting point, And you definitely want to kind of see who else is uh, solving the same need that you're solving. And the first step is then after you find out what would they buy if they didn't buy your product or who would they use if they didn't use yours. Um, and And then you want to find their price. But from there, you want to start thinking about what we call economic value estimation, where you think about what are the the customer's cost drivers? So where is it that they're spending money? You want to look at what their value drivers are. So where is it that they're making money? And you want to start thinking about building uh, features that will help uh, match to their economics, that will help uh, drive more revenue or help save them costs. And so if you just charge what your competitors charge, Ultimately, that'll lead to competition that kind of takes prices down to zero because each person would each undercut each other by a penny until they're down to nothing. Uh, But if you use an economic value estimation uh, framework and then start finding uh, ways that you could deliver unique uh, and differentiated value, um, then even if you don't price to it, you're at least able to attract customers without getting into an all-out competitive war. But that's my two cents. I'm curious if Sumeya or Divya have any comments to add to this question as well. One thing that I wanted to add
3: uh, to Jeff's comment uh, is that we also like because it was a new type of customer that we were dealing with, a very specific one. Um, as we built our product, we had some customers that we directly used as like test cases. So as we kind of built up the product, we leveraged them and we shared the software for them for free so that they can test it out and figure out if they get this actually works. And in that process, we ha- we got feedback about, like, it was a very established means of channels that really worked for us to understand what would you pay for something like this. That's a question that was very evident. And that is something that I think the the, the dog fooding customers that you have while you're building a product can really, really help. So uh, it, it, that, that's, that's a part of the research that also kind of drastically helped us make a decision.
1: The last two enterprise products I worked on, um, one of them, which was acquired recently, we had a requirement for uh, revenue that we needed to generate uh, in a given year. And the first thing we did as a product team was to uh, sit down and talk about the pain points that that product would have to to solve And the number of sales we had to do, Um, I'm talking about uh, both of these products were million dollar plus uh, price point uh, products where we had the sales team that actually had to sell them and, uh, you know, sales cycles of three months plus. Uh, and so from day one, when we were thinking about the features, we had to sit down with the sales team and talk about what they were hearing on the ground in terms of what are the pain points the customer is saying they would pay for at that level or at the the kind of pricing uh, we we wanted to aim for. Uh, one and two, uh, we met as a product team with multiple customers to talk about uh the most important pain points. And what that meant was, uh, you know, everything you do in UX research, where we sat down with a customer and talked about, uh, in this case, we're talking about platform products, uh, solutions for engineers. Um, and we talked about what's not working for them right now with our existing products, what areas they were looking at, additional products, uh, Products in the market to help them, uh, or to supplement our current products. We didn't we didn't think of those products as competitors, just supplementary. And what were the ma- uh, most important or most painful? Uh, painful uh, pain points. And then we did the number of exercises with them to determine exact pricing. Uh, one uh, exercise we did was pricing per feature. Uh, so we would uh, list out the different features that we think we're going to prioritize for our you know next quarter for r- the roadmap. And we would uh, give them stickies with different prices and ask them to place the, the actual price next to the feature. Uh, and that One didn't give us uh, insights on price. It gave us insights on the most valuable features. So usually the thing they were most, they were willing to pay the most for, uh, was the, the most painful thing. Um, and then the next set of exercises we did with them or conversations we did with them, uh, were, uh, and this was with our sales team and marketing team, were to ask these three main questions. One, uh, what would be a fair price for these features? Two, what would be an expensive price for these features? And three, I'm sorry, what is a prohibitive price for these features? Um, and usually, or at least in this case, uh, for, for uh, one of these products, we priced it at the expensive point for most of the client's For our government clients, we tended to do more of the fair pricing, but other uh, clients who needed other features, comparable but slightly different, uh, uh, we were able to do more of the expensive one. And this is because we also understood our standing in the market, which is we were not competing on price, we were competing on value, and we were competing on uh, specific features.
0: And that's exactly why we want to have as we started the top of this conversation, Sumeya said that pricing and product management should sit closer together. That's exactly why, is because we want to start building features that actually drive value for our customers and drive unique and differentiated value, uh, saving them money, uh, making them money. And so we want to start thinking about building features that actually don't, they don't just like to have, but that that actually drives economics uh, for our customer. And just to add to Sumeya's way of kind of finding out what that price is, Uh, If you want, you can look up economic value estimation. But essentially, you start interviewing and and start with the customer economics rather than the feature. As we kind of talk about like in product management that we want to fall in love with the problem we're solving, not the solution. Similarly, with pricing, we want to fall in love with how do we drive value? What value does a company get? Where do they make money? Where do they spend money? And how do our features make that happen? And as Harish was saying, we want to uh, run experiments and prove Uh, So that we can communicate that, hey, our features actually are translating to savings or to revenue or to the value uh, that we've described. Uh, But I've spoken too much. It is time for concluding thoughts. And uh, Sumeya had asked if we could do concluding thoughts plus share one resource uh, related to today's topic that would help the audience uh, dive deeper into what we discussed today. So, Sumeya, you're always good at being on the spot. I'll let uh, you chime in first, and then we'll get to Harish and Divya. Uh, concluding thoughts and one resource if people want to dive deeper.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, thank you so much. I had a lot of thoughts on this topic, um, and, and I'm glad we uh, I got to hear from you all as well. Um, a couple of books that I highly recommend. The first one is called The End Game uh, by Professor Marco Bertini. Um, so this book talks about not only the science behind pricing and the different models to think about, but also the, the behavioral aspect of it or the psychology. We didn't get to talk much about that, but I think it's a it's a really important aspect to, to talk about um, in B2B but a lot in B2C. So uh, something to think about there. Uh, and then the second uh, book or uh, recommendation I have is uh, a, a book called Monetizing Innovation. Um, and this book is, uh, it is one that breaks down pricing science into very uh, manageable parts. So anyone who who wants to think about different use cases or wants to understand how to develop new pricing models or new business models, I highly recommend that book. Apparently, there is also an association of pricing professionals. Uh, so if you Google that online, uh, you you can find it.
0: All right, great. Thank you so much, Samea Harish. Uh... Concluding thoughts and one resource that you would recommend our listeners check out after this. Yeah,
3: uh, so one thing that I've kind of helped—it helped me in my career—just understand pricing in general. Is pricing has changed a lot in you know over the past couple of decades, and as we move into you know different kinds of startup ecosystems and shared economies, this is going to significantly change as you know products get bundled up or unbundled, and most often than not. Uh, People are always willing to pay more than what you think they're paid. So, as anybody who's just like walks around or buys products, we're all consumers for some products. uh, And I would strongly suggest, like thinking about pricing as you kind of purchase products and as you browse through the internet. It's I think having that uh, you know the optic of figuring out why they price something and why you're buying it and figuring out. Putting, putting that psychology between you and your decision really, really helps on the long run. So, and that is, unfortunately, as Sumeya said, psychology is the variable that we really cannot put a number on. And just training your brain in a way that you really understand how the market works is going to is, is going to be a great resource as we move forward.
1: Harish, I, I love that you said that because at one point I, I, I plan to bring up in this conversation I completely forgot about is this whole Web 3.0 world and the tokenization right. of incentives and, and, and how that is... Shaping up to be uh, different than what we're used to. So, uh, totally agree with you. I think there is so much that's going to come up that we're going to all learn from, and I'm excited about that. And
0: and on that uh, note, I want to echo what Harish said in terms of people are willing to pay more than you think they are. And then a resource I'd recommend is Predictably Irrational by Dan Ariely, Uh, and that goes dives uh, into kind of some quirks into how people make decisions, and you could utilize those quirks uh, both in product management and uh, in thinking about what you're going to be able to price and how you'd be able to price it, um, Divya, uh, concluding thoughts in one resource.
2: Yep. Um, so, in terms of concluding thoughts, I think Sumeya and Harish did a good job of um, summarizing things or resources that you know you can make use of um, for you to improve on your pricing strategies. Um, for me, um, honestly, like I I've been reading a lot of books and a lot of articles that talk about scientific ways in which uh, you can price a product something that was that always fascinated me was game theory back from my engineering days and how do you, how do uh, you know companies like coke and png and uh, unilever really apply game theory in pricing has been uh, super interesting but when i started working mm-hmm. in the corporate world what i realized was a lot of the times like we don't really use the theoretic knowledge um, what's really helped me is being more aware of you know your, the day to day products that you work with like there might be a lot of apps that you like um, a lot of products whether it's technology related or non tech products and like how these different uh, products really monetize their offerings uh, pros and cons of that um, you'll be surprised to know there are a lot of like pricing strategies you can take advantage of in your day to day life like um, i recently went to vegas we, we actually have our annual cloud computing conference in vegas and i went uh, when they're back in twenty nineteen and I was surprised to know that you know uh, like hotels are super cheap in vegas um that's kind of a way in which or they incorporate um uh, a revenue enabling strategy where uh, they don't charge so much for your hotels itself because they expect that people spend in the casinos and uh you know entertainment in in the hotels and things like that so my point is like just drawing inspiration from everyday products and apps that you use, being more cognizant um, about the type of strategies that they use for pricing. Um, I think that's going to uh, take you a long way um, in thinking creatively about um, pricing strategies for your own product when you're working um, in an enterprise.
0: All right. Thank you. And I'm so glad you didn't read You uh, deserve some concluding thoughts. You manage the stage beautifully. You do that every week here on How to Succeed in Product Management, Tuesdays at 4 p.m. Pacific time. And you are the reason we're here uh, by getting the Product Management Center on Clubhouse uh, to build community, uh, to share knowledge, and to have an impact on uh, current and aspiring PMs. So what are your concluding thoughts, Red?
4: Uh, I would say that this was a fantastic show and I couldn't even put a price on it. Uh, I will add, though, I I do come from a sales go-to-market background and I've been taking notes feverishly, and I, I cannot say how important it is that when you're working at a company, the product manager is your best friend if you're trying to figure out pricing. So if you're out in the audience and you're not in product, you better know just how powerful the folks in product are. Uh, I'm going to hand Mike back off to you, Jeff, as I'm being attacked by my little monsters. And uh, excited to see everyone here back in a week.
0: I love uh, it. So, I love, yeah. I love it. Your child just <laughs> got her podcast debut here. Famous. At, at such a young age. Unbelievable. Um, so I want to leave with a little bit more c- concluding thoughts than I normally do. I want to kind of make uh, Sumeya's case that uh, pricing and product management should be closer together. I don't want to overwhelm. Uh, you know, Sophie had a great comment that you know product managers have enough on their plate and enough responsibility. But I do encourage you to be thinking about the economics that you're driving with your product decisions and really think through how are you creating unique uh, value for your customers? How are you making them more money, saving them more money, Or just giving them something that they've proven that they care about and and that they'll pay for? And how are you doing that better than the competition? And really think through that on your roadmap rather than just, hey, let's solve problems, but thinking about the problems that really move the needle for customers and that, that drive their economics. Then I want to transition to my other concluding thought, which is, thank you all for being here. The Product Management Center at the University of Washington is a global hub for knowledge, community and impact, and we're so grateful that so many of you share your knowledge here, come together in community and uh, learning from one another, and the impact, we're still yet to have the biggest impact that we could have. Product Management Center wants to help develop a more diverse, inclusive, and skilled product management community where more people belong in this community and more people can thrive in this community, and more people can create products that serve diverse audiences. And I'm super excited to share that we are launching the Inclusive Product Management Accelerator this fall. So we're going to have a 10-week cohort program where we're going to bring in people who have the uh, really strong potential to be successful as product managers and to develop innovations that are inclusive to diverse audiences. And we're going to bring them in, pair them in with uh, mentors, and we're going to listen to some bells in the background as we do this. Sorry about that. We're Actually, we're not going to listen to Bells during the Inclusive Product Management Accelerator. We're listening to Bells right now while I'm talking. Jeff, that was timely. That. It
4: made it feel like uh, closing thoughts.
0: Yes. It, it was either like dramatic effect or it was um, like, you know, when they pull the microphone down during the Oscars, it was uh, the Bells telling me my time is up here. I'm just super excited that the University of Washington is putting their money where their mouth is uh, investing in people and investing in a more diverse and inclusive future. And I hope that uh, if you're trying to get into product management and and you're close and you just need a little bit of uh, knowledge, a little bit of connections, and a little bit of help uh, that you could prove and you're ready to develop innovations that are inclusive to diverse audiences, I hope you'll uh, check us out. We're going to start accepting applications next month. And if you're a company that wants to access diverse talent, who's got not just knowledge, connections but a community of support, people who are going to help them not just get the job, but uh, stay in the job and succeed. I hope you'll partner with us in this important endeavor. Um, But I'm grateful for Red for uh, bringing us here on Clubhouse. I'm grateful for Sumeya for sharing her insights every week. I'm grateful for Sophie Gong here, who is a fantastic volunteer, uh, adding so much to the community, sharing uh, the insights from our panelists on Slack. And I can't thank our, our today's guests enough, Harish and Divya, Thank you for being here, uh, and thank you for sharing fantastic wisdom. And I'll throw the disclaimer, the wisdom you shared, the wisdom they shared was their own, not uh, representing their company, uh, but it was fantastic uh, wisdom that I hope all of you uh, will be able to apply in your careers. So thanks for joining us. I hope you'll join us next week, Tuesday at 4 p.m. Pacific time. And uh, we'll be missing red, but we'll still have plenty of fun, and we have a, a great product managers coming, and uh, you will learn yet again how to succeed in product management.